I hope you're hungry, ghosties, for episode 63 of the Ghost Lights podcast. Tonight, we sat down with IATSE's Local 7 president, Max Peterson. We talked about sub sandwiches, the birth of his love affair with theater, and how it looks from the president's perspective on how we get back to a live theater-going world yet again. Strap in, Dan. Give us war by the hypnotic brass ensemble. Ghosties, we are back. It is episode sixty four, and you are listening to the Dulcet Tones. Of both myself, Sam Gilstrap, and Max Peterson, everybody. Hi, Max. How the hell are you? Hi, Sam. I'm really good. It's good to see you, my friend. It is good to see you. It has been a long time since we have locked eyes across a crowded room. Yeah, it's been a. I mean, it's been a minute for a lot of people, but yes, you especially, because I, yeah. I can't. I literally can't remember the last time that happened, but I, I look forward to doing it again soon. The last time I saw you. You were working at a theater, a very big popular theater in town, and you were busy. And I locked eyes with you, and you looked at me and then pointed at the guy behind me because that was somebody you needed to talk to. And we passed like two ships in the night. And it, Did I say anything to you? Nope. Didn't oh, recognize me at all. Dick. Oh, no, man, not that a dick. sounds about right, though. Not that a dick. sounds like You're, my move. Dude, it was like intermission. You had shit to do. That's the, so it's like, oh, or I pretended to, I pretended to have shit to do. That's, that's the key. That's the key. If you did that, you are like every woman that has ever rejected me. <laughs> you and me both brother. Yeah. You yeah. And me both. So I, I wanted to tell you, I, 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 I have not listened to, to many episodes, but I did today listen to the John Moore episode Oh um, yes, episode fifty nine. Yeah, real, I, and I, it was very intimidating because John Moore oh. is a really, really good communicator. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's an incredible communicator, and uh, yeah, it really set me up for for some nerves here. So um, I hope oh. I can live up to half of what Mister Moore gave you on the pod. Hey, just put your hand in mine, Max, and me and you are going to go Let's down just, on this awkward journey together. Let's skip down the the weird the road and see how weird it can get. That's Absolutely, I, I I we were having a great conversation before we get started, um, and I think as an icebreaker, let's start there immediately. Sure. What is your Mount Rushmore of sandwich shops? Yeah, we, this started because I had a witch witch cup. Yes. Which is um. It harkens back to episode 59 because John Moore was drinking out of a witch witch cup. Yeah. And we, we, we said before we started that it is, it is vital that if you are, if you've worked in the performing arts complex, you've probably succumbed to ordering witch witch at some point because um, it's right there and it's, uh, it's pretty good and they have good milkshakes. So, um, oh, get out of town. Just need a milkshake. Yeah. Oh, man. I'd say no. witch witch is probably on the Mount Rushmore Chiba hut is very high on the list is that the george washington spot uh it's pretty close yeah chiba hut is i think i mean they have that chicken ranch i don't don't remember the names because because i'm sober um but the white uh, widow it's the white widow the white widow see you know you know um yeah yeah, that's a hell of a sandwich it's a great Um, sandwich 
Yeah. And then like, you know, I'm not afraid to say it. Like I'm a garbage person. So every time, <laughs> like every time, every once in a while, you need a meatball sub from Subway, you know, like sometimes oh. that's just what needs to happen. I, I can't argue against that choice. Yeah. And so then, we're going Chiba Hut, Subway, which, which. Yeah. Who's in that Teddy Roosevelt it, spot? God, that's a, that's, that's where it really gets tough. I think. Um, you Jersey know, Mike's I, question mark. Jersey Mike's I think is right because I, I, I want, I almost said, um, uh, what Jimmy John's and, and no, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, every time I eat Jimmy John's, I get an upset stomach, which is not really saying much because I'm uh, just constant. My stomach is just constantly a mess. But Jimmy oh, John's no. is like a surefire uh, intermission can't come soon enough type of deal. <laughs> for me. So, yeah, yeah. Jimmy John's Jimmy John's for me is a tough sale now um, because I know what uh, Jimmy likes to do with his John's money. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's a, uh, it's un, it's unfortunate. It's unsettling, and yeah, um, fuck that guy. So um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it's uh, we're we're pretty close. I'm gonna go Chiba Hut, um, Jersey Mike's. Um, what's the other one? Oh, poopy, I had it. Silver Mine Subs. Oh, you know. And you've worked up at miners a lot, right? Yes. Yes. So you've had the, yeah, I haven't been up there. I very rarely go up there. So I haven't had the ability to have a silver mines as part of my life. Like my, my like favorite thing um, about working for um, Betsy and the catamounts um, is when you're leaving Boulder down out highway 36, there was a silver mine sub right there. It was like the mm -hmm. last stop before Denver, basically. Sure. Yeah, and, I, uh, they yeah. killed it. They, they closed it down. And, um, I've never cried so much in my life, um, as the day that it was official because it was like the last one that was ever in my life. There's one off of Wadsworth at 86. And while it may not seem like it, I've got stuff to do and I can't just drive out there for a sub. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, that's a, I mean, driving more than like 10 minutes for a sandwich is a real stretch for me. Yeah. It's like not... it's gotta be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's gotta um, be someone else eating that sandwich with me that I'm excited to see, not oh, just yeah. the sandwich itself. You know, Silvermine, Silvermine subs out there on Wadsworth is a great second date spot. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Because you want to test them at that point. Yeah. Oh, are you down for this? Cause it could get weird. <laughs> are, are you willing to travel 25 minutes to get a sandwich? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Those are great questions. That's a great question. I mean, if I'm a... sick, if I'm sick and there's only one thing that will make me happy. Yeah. How much do you care? How much? Yeah. 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 And no, this is, this is, this is good advice for everybody at home. Listen, this is the relationship advice that I find necessary. Right. Um, this is, this is what, you know, uh, other relationship podcasts are not delving into. They're this, not. Yeah. Yeah, the Ghost Lights podcast is big on three things: communication, uh -huh. um, good sex, and then good sandwiches. Um, there's nothing about those three things that I don't like. Yeah, I mean, if, if if it doesn't work, if only one person is happy, one person's mm -hmm. communicating, and one person is satisfied, both of yeah. you have to be. And That's if you're true. poly, all of you need to be happy. Every single one. Absolutely. 
so my number four is Subway, but it comes with a caveat. Okay. The next time I order the rotisserie style chicken sub from Subway, I want rotisserie style chicken. I don't want tuna mixed in with the rotisserie style chicken because that is not a taste you want to mix with bacon and cheese. No. And that happened to me right at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. It was like the last Subway sub I ordered. And then they, and then they closed, then they closed everything down. And that was all I had to remember them by. I am so sorry. Jared and nobody wants to remember Jared. I am so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's been a long road, but we're, we're finally starting the recovery again. We're trying new things. We're light at the end of the tunnel, my friend. Yeah. We are definitely putting a lot of money into Chiba hut stock. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's a publicly traded company, but if it is, I I will throw some some Bitcoin at that. You know what I mean? Wow. Do Do you have Bitcoin? No, 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 okay. no, no. Okay, cool. I I, I, I feel like I, I I'm at 37 and I'm still way too analog. So things like Bitcoin that that's that scares the hell out of me. Like that's going to take over the world, and I am not prepared. I am woefully unprepared. In fact. Sure. I have a friend who for many years has been like saying, like, give me money and I will invest it for you in Bitcoin. And I've always been like, no, 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 no. And yeah. and I've really regret that decision because he's very smart and has made a lot of money with uh, with Bitcoin. So, yeah. Did, uh, did your friend also get on get in on the GameStop thing? He did not. No, he's not a trading guy. He's just a, a cryptocurrency guy. Nice. So. Nice. I got a friend that jumped in on that GameStop situation yeah. um, like early in the process. And from all I've heard in terms of what I can glean from a, a headline on Reddit, things are looking pretty good for him and the rest of the people that jumped in on that thing. Yeah. If he, if he sold at the right time, like before, you know, all the crazy stuff happened, it could have been very, very profitable Absolutely. For, for certain people. Yeah. But I have no idea how that all works. Neither do I. Neither yeah. do I. Do they, do they just like put the money in your mattress afterwards? I think that's, yeah. It's either in the mattress or or buried in the backyard. Oh, okay. You get to choose. You get to check that box oh. on the on the app. Now, do they provide? On the Robin Hood app, they have yeah. mattress, backyard, burial. Backyard, burial. Do they give you the shovel if you choose that second option? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a foldable shovel. It uh it it it's easily breakable like most things. <laughs> oh but, man. Yeah. It must be American man. Oh, <laughs> no sorry. Comment. No comment. I, I, yeah. I went I went I went off the deep end there. And if you're still listening to us after that subway, Yeah, this is this is 15 minutes of of real ridiculousness. So, <laughs> hey, I, it's it I, you're welcome. I've I've been thinking about sub sandwiches all day. Because yeah. I've I've been I've been teaching and working, so and that's 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 exhausting, hungering work. I mean, I I, I am a, a union stagehand and a touring union stagehand at that. So talking about food for a copious amount of time is is not something I'm not accustomed to. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that, let's we let's let's make sure to to put a post-it note on that food conversation because we might start talking about pizzas later. I don't know. Okay. We'll see if we got time. Yeah, we'll see if we can circle back to Pizza Talk. Absolutely. Pizza Talk with Sam Gilstrap and Max. There you go. Yeah. So, Max, you're a Turing stagehand. How did you get into that? 
Yeah. So I, I, I've done theater my entire, uh, life. Um, I was in my first play as an actor when I was a very young child. My mom did community theater growing up. So I, um, I was in a play called The Nerd. I played her son in the play. Uh, you played your was... mom's son? Correct. Yeah, my, my, nice. my mom's son in the play wow. um, when I was, I don't know, seven, eight, something like that. Mm-hmm. And have done theater almost the entire time. Uh, as a teenager, I played a lot of sports and that kind of, you know, intermixed with the, uh, with, with the theater. And uh, there was also the, you know, the, the time that I got into all the trouble while being a teenager, mm-hmm. but theater really saved my life. Um, you know, through that, it was kind of a motivating factor to when I got back from treatment and, and all the, all the mental health issues that I kind of struggled with as a teenager, mm-hmm. it really kind of grounded me and gave me a purpose that I didn't, uh, that I really desperately needed. Mm-hmm. And then I, w- I grew up in Sheridan, Wyoming in Billings, Montana. And I, the, the theater community in Billings, Montana was really kind of great for being Billings, Montana. And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but, you know, it, it, there's not, it's, not, it's not known for its wild theatrical uh, roots. But there was a lot of really smart, good people doing, creating theater there. And it gave me a nice foundation and I moved to Denver when I was 18 because I wanted to move to the big city to do the theater. And that was the largest market. And my parents were both from here and I had a lot of extended family here. And so I uh, moved down here and got a job and worked a little while at Country Dinner Playhouse and then worked up at Boulder's Dinner Theater for a while. Kind of worked around town and then, and then uh, was at Boulder's Dinner Theater and realized I really wanted to pursue this and kind of put my whole you know, heart and soul into it. So I went to Metro and, uh, and, and that's where you and I met was while that's I was right. at, Shout uh, out to the Roadrunners. Yeah. Go Roadrunners. Uh, and that, that was a really amazing experience for me. Uh, it, I, I met a lot of really key people to my future career. I, you know, the, I was not great in the classroom. <laughs> that's putting it nicely. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thrived in the theater, making, making theater happen. And I learned, you know, I think undergraduate is, is really great because it teaches you uh, how to learn. I think, I think that's the biggest thing that undergraduate Mm -hmm. school is really about is learning how to learn, which is so vitally important in the technical as I think it's any part of life, but you know, in, in the theater crafts, um, the way that technology is moving, it's really vital to, to, re- to know how to find information or, or challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the audio console, the audio gear that I'm using today is not, so, you know, every job that I go on, there's something that I've never seen before, likely. Mm-hmm. And so learning how, to, how to, to learn on the job was really important to, to undergraduate and also learning how to be a professional and say th- please and thank you when you're leading a crew. I remember, you know, my mentor, Megan Euler, I was stage managing a show and uh, she pulled me aside after, a, you know, she had been watching me for a couple of hours and she just pulled me aside and goes, you have to say please and thank you. <laughs> 
you know, and, and, and when you're like a young person and you're trying to be authoritative and you're trying to make the show happen, you, you just forget to do that. Um, and that's, that's something I think about all the time. Uh, and so, yeah, eventually I, I, uh, you know, started getting a lot of work, uh, throughout the community and was worked, worked at the, at the Denver center. Uh, I worked in all the theaters at the Denver center. Uh, I worked at, uh, at, for the theater company. I, I mixed a lot of shows at the Garner Galleria theater. I skipped the part where I kind of fell into audio, but that's, that's, um, I was, it's kind of a funny story. I was hired to be a, a apprentice technician down at Southern Colorado Repertory Theater because they had a really great relationship with the with Metro at the time, and they they hired a lot of people from our college, us and Adams State. They hired most of their their company from those two schools, hmm. and I was down there, and I had been hired, and uh, it's the first company meeting, and they're going around and introducing everybody, and Fred Vaujois, the the ter- technical di- or the artistic director down there, and goes, and this is Max, our sound engineer and designer, and I kind of look around. I'm like, oh, there's another Max here because I, I had just been hired as an apprentice technician. And within, you know, that was that was kind of thrust into the middle of that world. And within a month, I was mixing my first show, having no idea what I was doing, but just figuring it out. Um, and, and yeah, I kind of fell in love with it. And it was it was one area that I that I felt like I could have a niche and so I started working, yeah, kind of all through the Denver Center Theater Company and a variety of departments and kind of became, you know, a well-versed stagehand. But I, I, start, I then moved to the Garner Galleria Theater, and that's where I kind of settled into being a, a sound engineer and, and mixed, um, got to mix I Love You're Perfect Now Change, you know, for eight months um, with some of the best people that I've ever worked with in the business and a really transformative year of my life and a bunch of other shows. And while I was doing that, uh, I got introduced to someone from a touring company called Networks Touring, who, who um, puts a lot of Broadway tours out on the road. And we had coffee one day and, and six, five months, four months later, he called me and said, hey, do you want to go out on the road with Blue Man Group? And I said, well, I can't say why I wouldn't. And uh, considering that four months ago, we had a coffee conversation and I really wanted to go out on the road. So I better say yes. Wow. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of, you know, jumping in. I had, I had no idea what I was doing, but I learned real quick and uh, toured with some of the best people in the business that I've ever worked with. We had a blast um, and that was, that was, but it was a really strenuous tour and I didn't get paid enough, mm. uh, but it was, it was a blast. And then the There's next blue paint everywhere blue paint and bananas all over the place. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, but so much fun, you know, I mean, doing that show, uh, every night, um, is ending. Anytime you get to end a performance with a dance party, it doesn't really get much better than that. Um, so we got to do that. And then the next year I was, I got the opportunity to go on an international tour of beauty and the beast. Uh, with my wow. brother actually was on that tour with me and so I saw who is a who is an actor performer he's he's uh, performed a lot at uh, at the Arvada Center subsequently 
Um, but uh, yeah, so we, we got to see the world together, which was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, that tour started in Istanbul, Turkey, and uh, I ended the tour. My last stop was, I did a couple of days in Singapore was my last load in, but the, the last long-term stop that I did the whole entire sit was in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, and it was just outrageous. I mean, the m most ridiculous experiences, uh, the stories that I have from that tour are kind of, uh, I, I still pinch myself that I had that opportunity. Uh, but while I was in the middle of that, I had the opportunity to interview for uh, the head audio position at the Ellie Calkins Opera House and uh got that job and so that brought me back to denver i i was able to join the union at that time and uh that's kind of been you know i i was there at the ellie for a while eventually i moved over to the buell theater and got to do all the all the big broadway tours that came through both of those houses uh it was it was a really great experience i met a lot of really amazing people uh, and, and became a member of the union really kind of got involved with the union in a, in a, in a very serious way, uh, was the steward for, for, for both of those houses. And that's kind of where I, I picked up the passion for what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, I went in between, I, I worked in the, in the union office for a while after working at the Buell theater, uh, as the, as the dispatcher or call steward. And then, uh, that I needed to, to leave that position. It kind of wore, wore on my soul. It's a really tough job and, and wasn't really what I wanted to be doing at the time. And I, I left that job and subsequently got an offer to go out with uh, Phantom of the Opera. And I did the last year and a half of that tour uh, before it closed in early February of 2020. And uh, came home and was getting ready to settle back in to being home and working the extra board and had been elected vice president of the, uh, of the union. I was serving as one of our vice presidents and the world wow. shut down, wow. uh, on March 13th. Um, we, I was in the middle of a work call on SpongeBob at the Buell mm. and, uh, and got the, the notice that we were shutting down. And two days later we put everything in trucks. And that was the last time that me and a bunch of my colleagues have worked um and then a few subsequent you know i guess i guess it was like six months later five months later the the president had to leave for personal reasons uh of my union so i i offered myself up into the to the role of, of president and was elected and i've been serving as the president of iatse local number seven here in denver um since august september and that's, uh, that's what, that's kind of the, the full recap of my career. I didn't, I know that's not what you asked, but, uh, no, it's, it's amazing. It, yeah. That is, it, it feels like this whirlwind experience for you. I mean, so much of the, the, the people that we worked with and played with in school together were, you know, working for that type of life that, get out of college and get rolling and get show, 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 and then have our work and our, our personality be enough to create other opportunities down the road. And for it to take you across the world is that's astonishing, Max. I, I full disclosure, I knew you worked on Phantom of the Opera. 
and I was hella jealous when I saw that coming up because I'm a dork and that's the only music musical that I love with a passion. No that makes one of us. I'm, I'm just I'm just kidding. I, I it it's we can dive into to, to all the things that I'm confused about that show watching it eight times a week. But uh, oh man, well then let's do let, let's definitely let's let's put a post in on that conversation yeah. because Andrew Lloyd Webber's got some splaining to do. I I would like well I don't know that Andrew Lloyd Webber does, but the the people that love that show I feel like like do to me and and I, i'm oh, yeah. i'm always open to to people to explain can, to I, me. can i tell you can i tell you why i love it yeah please so i'm a hopeless romantic with half a good face <laughs> well i i hope you are <laughs> i hope you are wildly abusive towards the women that no you like. definitely yeah. not or no, yeah definitely not. i think that's the part that really really kind of comes back to, yeah, to I mean, raise my the, eyebrow the locking them in a in a dungeon a swampy dungeon underneath a theater yes yeah. that's, that's not a good look that's listen man why don't you just you ask for her number and if she gives it to you then go for it if she says no let it go yeah i think killing large numbers of people while she's on stage is a pretty pretty jerk move you know yeah, you know it, it, absolutely yeah. not the best pickup line yeah yeah, no, I, I think mean, that's... the Phantom's got some issues. I'm not saying I've 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 molded my life after this. You're not guy. you're not supporting his behavior. Is no, I don't have a cape. Sure. <laughs> Yet, but you do yes. have some nice art on the wall behind I do. you. I do have some nice. And art. I I, I think yeah yeah. I mean, and there's some pipes in the area above you. Yeah. Uh, so like those could be connected to an organ per se that you play. Right before you sing a four and a half minute song. <laughs> oh, come to me, angel of music. I, I'm, yeah. Don't cast no, me. That yeah, was a bad I, I, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible show. I mean, it's, it's technically, you know, I did the, I did the um, Cameron Macintosh kind of revisited version. Uh, not the, not the original Broadway uh, Hal Prince version. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's definitely kind of got a different feel to it and, and a different focus from, um, but it's a it's a really lovely production and i got to work with with mostly really great people so mm. nice little uh caveat there i mean you know there's human beings everywhere and, and unfortunately yeah. i'm not gonna love all of them that's uh, very true that's, um that's i a... work i work with little human beings and big human beings and you're absolutely right you're gonna yeah. love a lot of them but you're not gonna love all of them yeah and when it's a company of 70 or 80 folks like, like we had there's just going to be some some people that you want to say hi to every day, and there's going to be some people that you have to say hi to every day, uh, and that's okay. That's a great. You know what I mean? That's 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 like that's that's showbiz, kids. You know, yeah. like you don't you don't have to love everybody you go to work with. Um, Definitely not. Oh. And that's like an important lesson. Like I think I think when you come from like high school, college theater, you think that like it's all every you know. I don't know. I guess I had this like fantasy that like it's all community and it's all, you know, and I think that's like great that like I've definitely been on projects where that's the case and that's yeah. awesome. And, but you can, you, you can not be an asshole and still 
like not have to love everybody you work with you yeah. know and i probably fail at that a good amount there's probably some people that i've worked with who would be like <laughs> well max practice what you preach um yeah. but i i do think that like you know it's a good lesson to learn that like you know you don't have to love everybody you show up to work with and i think that's like kind of the difference between professional theater and 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 some other areas that i've worked in well, i in think my... one of the things that you were touching on just briefly there is this idea of like there are going to be people that you're not necessarily going to hundred percent gel with. You don't have to be an asshole to them. Just do your job. Right. Do your job, be respectful. You don't have to go out of your way to be a punk about right. something. Yeah. Cause it's still a collaborative art form that yeah. you have to work with those yeah. people. Yeah. To, you're to right though. You, you get the, you get the impression when you're in college, like much like I did that this is all community oriented and we all get together and we build something together and, and we put it out there and the, and sometimes that is the case and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And sometimes that's not the case and it's still wonderful and beautiful. And then there are times where it's a little harder than others. And there's people that are not what you want them to be. And you have to give up your idea that you can control that and show up, do your job, give them their space to do their job. And, you know, don't do anything extra to, get under their skin or have them get under yours. Like don't give them that power over you. Absolutely. I think, I think it's way easier for me to have that mindset because I don't have to go up on stage and pretend that I love someone who I don't necessarily care for. Yeah. Um, like I just have to like be decent to them when I see them backstage, when I'm, you know, walking into the theater. I mean, the other thing that's crazy about a show like Phantom or kind of these big, huge you know huge shows is there are people on that on that tour that i wouldn't see for weeks at a time uh because you know we the audio would and it's partially like my job um but you know we'd often be we we were always the department that ended up wherever there was room Right. Mm -hmm. So we, our amps, our amp land or uh, whatever, you know, could be in a, in a pit or a dungeon or somewhere in the theater or up in a fly loft. It was like wherever they could fit us, we would go. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's someplace that no one else in the theater goes to, you know, maybe the musicians pass by on their way to the pit, but they're not yeah. peeking their head around the amp racks to say hi to me. So, you know, I, I think it's easier for me to say like, uh, like there's there's human beings that I don't have to interact with than like going on stage with people and like you know doing a party scene with them and having to like care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's different, different, different content. A little, a little different. If but we can move on from how much I dislike human beings. We don't have oh. to spend the entire podcast talking about about what a curmudgeon I've turned into <laughs> in my in my old age. Well, I haven't. I have not. I'm not getting that vibe. And hopefully, the ghosties at home aren't getting that either i mean i, yeah. I just think you're, you're, you're just truth you're just speaking truth to your experience yeah and i think that's relatable on i mean no matter what we do for a living um I'm, there i know there are teachers that love me and there are teachers that tolerate my existence and vice well i versa. think that's also the difference between like you know some of the community theater or, or college theater that i've done compared to like high level you know professional theater is is when it's everybody's job 
it's just a different my mentality. Like I remember the time that theater was ruined for me very specifically. Oh, wow. I, I, I'm, jo- I'm, I'm joking. I still <laughs> love going to see theater. Okay. But I was, I, I was on a vacation or we, we were on a layoff on Blue Man Group. We had a couple of weeks off. And so I mm-hmm. took a, a trip out to New York to see friends and see uh, family. Uh, my brother lives in New York. And I, I got some, I was making, you know, good money and wasn't paying rent. So I bought some tickets to see uh, Hedwig and the Angry Inch on Broadway with, with um, NPH, Neil Patrick Harris. And I took my friend, Courtney Capek, who, you know, who uh, I went to college with, shout out Courtney Capek. And we're sitting in the theater and it's 10 minutes to curtain and I'm just thrilled out of my mind. You know, I love Hedwig and the Angry Inch and Neil Patrick Harris is supposed to be incredible in the show. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my program and I look up at the stage and I see the center cluster of speakers. And uh, I look up and I'm looking at it kind of like, Oh, how's that? And then I'm, or I wonder why they did it that way, blah, blah. And then like I snap and I'm like, Oh, when I go back next week, I got to fix that, that, and that, and that. And I start like going through the checklist of my head of the stuff that I have to do when I go back to work next week. Right. And, and like, that's, that's cool. Like what a privilege to be sitting in a theater thinking about my work. That is theater. Like Mm. I totally understand what a privilege that is that there are people who would kill for that opportunity, but it's also like, you know, this is my job now. Like this is, this is what I do to, to, to pay them the mortgage, which is a silly thing to say out loud that I have bought a house with the, with theater dollars. Uh, once again, something that people would kill to be able to say, but it does like just put a different, you know, it, it just, you can't go into a theater and totally disconnect from, it's not like I can go in there and just, just, be you know i'd rather go to a sporting event than go to a theater because when i'm at a sporting event i don't think about work like i don't give a shit what they're doing mm-hmm. you know um whereas when i go to a theater I, I suddenly at some point will get transported back to to my how i'm gonna pay my mortgage you know mm-hmm. so no i get i i could totally get that sense i mean there was a, there was a stretch of time where i had very limited free time so when i did get to see a show it was it was hard to shut off that for me i'll speak for me on this part i couldn't shut off the arrogant voice in my head like oh that that choice is interesting oh i could do yeah a b and c and then then that would that would take me out of the whole experience which is why when i was you know when when shows were plentiful and I was fortunate to have the opportunity to be on those stages. I would, I spent so much time with shitty action movies. Shout out to the fast franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like it was, like there was the only way I could watch something and go like, ah, entertainment. And, and eventually I, I, I got the biggest problem for me during that time was just, just I had my head up my own ass. Sure. And so it just took me time to like catch that about me and then work out of it and that's how i entertain myself but i mean i can see it from you have a unique perspective having to clock all those things in your profession you notice those that i bet to an extent that is part of your 
going to a show experience, you want to see or know or have a sense of how they did their own work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I get more interested in that, in the how rather than the, I mean, it's hard to go enjoy a piece of theater and get, you know, transmitted to a different place the way that I, it was when I was, you know, a a teenager or college Mm -hmm. student. Uh, And that might be just because I'm older and, you know, my tastes have changed or it might be because I, but I, I really try to give the benefit of the doubt to, because I know how hard it is, especially from like an audio perspective, how hard it is to make things sound good, you know, or what I would perceive as good. Um, I just know the challenges that, that are, so I try to, I try to turn off that critical part and what is actually more annoying to me other than just the critical part is the idea of thinking about my work does that make sense so so it's less about like like i'm less bothered by like oh that didn't sound good or oh they missed that pickup or oh you know that's like that's just showbiz um and more about like you know nowadays it's like man i wonder if the crew got a break or i wonder if you know it's mm-hmm. it's like the the union part of me i wonder i wonder if everybody on this pay, show is getting paid properly or uh there's there's those questions that i spend a lot more time thinking about when i'm in a theater these days yeah. or you know looking at my phone waiting for the the crew to text me that there's something wrong uh but yeah nice um i, I want to backtrack a little bit you're talking about your international trip that you got paired with your brother um what was that experience like for you from your perspective being with your brother so much in somebody that you love and know very well and then sharing and doing what you both love to do as your profession what was that like nothing short of uh miraculous um yeah, I mean, I think we kind of spent the entire time kind of pinching ourselves that that we were part of it. Mm. Uh, my dad passed away in 2012. And that was kind of a transformative. That was while, while I was doing I Love Your Perfect Now Change uh, with, you know, Shannon Steele, Lauren Sheely, Robert Michael, Scott Severson, uh, who else? I'm going to forget some names. And then, of course, our, our my dear parted friend uh dan langhoff uh who i miss desperately um yeah big ups to dan fuck man um yeah i worked i think i worked probably more with dan than anyone besides maybe courtney kapek um Mm -hmm. dan and i did a lot of work together because he worked in southern colorado repertory theater Mm -hmm. and so he was a huge part of my career um for a very long time um but you know, looking back at like all the sacrifices, I guess the only reason I'm bringing that up is like, I feel like the entirety of that time, you know, from losing my dad to kind of through that international tour was a real, um, the international tour for Elliot and I, I feel was kind of a, a healing process for us because we got to kind of sit there the entire time and look at each other and go, 
what would dad think about this? You know? Mm. And, and we hadn't really spent time together since I was kind of a mess, you know, Elliot, Mm. Elliot moved away. You know, I had moved away and Elliot moved away shortly after I moved away. Um, and, but we were always so busy as kids and we were kind of disconnected and I was an asshole as a teenager, uh, for a variety of reasons. And, um, you know, Elliot had his own kind of struggles. And so that time, that time on, on the international tour, we kind of got the opportunity to connect for the first time in a lot of ways. Um, and to do it in like, you know, Greece, Mm. uh, to do it in Abu Dhabi, uh, to do it in Italy was really, uh, just, a real special experience, a really, really special experience. And I feel like we kind of got to know each other for the first time through that whole experience. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity to, to work with him and, and yeah, share something we both love to do, um, watch him, you know, that was kind of his, he had done some, some bigger shows. He had done, I think at that point he had done some tours, he had done the elf tour maybe. And, um, but this was kind of his first, like, you know, I mean, that was a big deal for both of us to be mm. on that type of tour, going to those types of places, doing what we do, you know, and getting yeah. paid to do it. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for asking about that. Cause it is, it is really, uh, I don't think I credit that transformative experience in our relationship enough. Uh, and, and anytime, anytime you have two people, you know, my brother is, is very much like me where he's mostly up until last year worked his entire time since he graduated from Syracuse university. Mm. He's pretty much worked his entire life since then. Uh, and so to be that the only time that we were ever going to be able to spend a lot of time together was when we were working together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's been nice to have him be able to come out here and work a little bit there at the Arvada center and spend some time with mom and I, Mm. uh, but even then, you know, you know what it's like when you're rehearsing eight, 10 hours a day and six days a week, uh, and your day off is about laying down. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't get to spend a lot of time with, with people. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. How's the, the, I'm assuming now the relationship between you is really tight, much tighter than before. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk, you know, a fair amount and he's actually gonna, uh, he, he's going to be hopefully doing some work this summer. Um, it sounds like he's going to be at Tuacon, uh, theater company in Utah doing, doing, playing LeFou and beauty and the beast and doing oh. some other stuff. Uh, in some of their other shows so he's hopefully heading out here in a couple of weeks to spend a few days with us before he goes to 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 utah for the summer to to work um which is really exciting so there is hope there are people who are who are who are gearing up for rehearsal a mere 24 days away um which is uh real 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 fucking exciting yeah (laughs) after the past year so I, I wonder what your experience with the pandemic is as president of a union, a group of people that is so 
I mean, so vital to the theater, entertainment, art experience. Like without the crew, without the people in these jobs, it's really difficult to put on anything, period. And to have so much of this shuttered and taken away from us, like, and then to be somebody who works in that environment too, the, there's got to be, I, I wouldn't say a conflict there in the experience, but the, it, it's soul crushing in a lot of ways for you. Yes. Yeah. I, it's been difficult for all of us that make a career in the entertainment industry uh, is difficult as an understatement. You know, we've, we've lost people to a variety of, of things, including some, some people who, you know, couldn't, didn't have the mental health resources necessary to, to deal with kind of the, the shock to their daily, um, you know, I don't think people sign up to work the hours we work and the conditions we work who are like mental, you know, always like on like the straight and narrow mental, mental health wise. And this uh, losing that has been uh, really devastating to a lot of people. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around how, how to help. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, uh, the best, the best leaders in, in any sort of organization, but especially a union organization are there to serve. That's, that's what I try to go into every day, trying to figure out how to do is how to serve our our members and the people that work under our collective bargaining agreements the best that, that I can and that we can. And at a time when the organization itself is suffering due to a lack, lack of income, mm -hmm. uh, because we, we, we get money when others make money. Right. Yeah. Um, and when that goes away, so we're, we're trying to make sure that the organization is going to be okay and healthy while trying to make sure that our members are going to be as okay and as healthy as they possibly can, while still making sure that, uh, and I'm gonna, you know, I might sound like a jerk here, um, but employers don't come out of this wanting to take advantage of the situation. We understand that employers are going to be in a position they've never been in before financially, but that doesn't mean that you know, we, we can't continue that we, we have to continue to fight to make sure that that people who create the work that they sell uh, are compensated fairly. Absolutely. Uh, and so all of that, you know, do, juggling all of those balls while still missing the opportunity to do what we do and just dealing with the daily life of isolation and, and all the things that everyone in the world has had to deal with. Um, you know, I take some solace in knowing that that's the case, that knowing that everybody is doing this together, mm -hmm. that's certainly a helpful thing to keep in mind. But I often have repeated to, to friends and colleagues that just because other people have problems doesn't mean that my problems aren't real. Yeah. Um, and just because other people are in pain doesn't mean that my pain isn't real. And you know, I think we've learned, we, we've done a lot of work throughout the international uh, 
and down through the locals to to remind people that we're here that there are resources available um you know and and we've done what we can to help whether it's whether it's send out information about grants and opportunities to to picking up the phone and helping somebody fill out their unemployment uh it's it's been nice to have something to care about besides just thinking about myself all the time because that's that's a key for me if i'm if i'm thinking about myself too much i go into a pretty dark place but if i can care about others then uh, I've got a better shot at being a little bit happier and a little bit more uh, free from from my shit. So, but yeah, it's it's been astonishingly difficult, and it's going to continue to be. You know, this is not going to, especially the commercial high level commercial stuff, is not going to come back uh, real fast. It is going to be a slow drip. It is not going to be you know, turn on the faucets and the floodgates open. So yeah. I think as I think that's going to be the really hard part. You know, I said in in January, or maybe it was December sometime, you know, I said the last the last eight months have been difficult. The next eight months will be just as difficult, if not even more difficult, because we're gonna start mm-hmm. to see the world open up again and we're gonna be the last to return. Yeah. It just is what it is, you know, uh, especially because a lot of our work here in Denver is is in the in the trade show exhibition world down at the convention center. Mm-hmm. And so much of that world is is likely, um, you know, dependent on corporate travel. And this is all just my opinion. I don't know. You know, yeah. this could all yeah. change next week. We could, you know, they could suddenly come up with two million vaccines every day and we're out of this in a month. I don't know, but I'm just looking at like the information that I have in front of me and, and kind of the realities of, of how I think our, our industry uh, has, has responded and and what it looks like moving forward. Um, And I think it's going to be a a slow grind to get back to where we were. So just, it, it takes all of us to take care of each other and reach out to each other and, do whatever we can to remind each other that that this is a momentary pause this is not the end of the world Um, because it's hard to remember that it's just hard uh when your entire livelihood you know we have many members who've been doing this for 30 40 years this is the only way they've ever made money and now they're sitting at home just twiddling their thumbs and it's not like they can go get a job you know doing something else this is what they do yeah uh so we will be back though. I just like, I know that that was a long tirade or like how difficult it has been and how difficult it will be. But like I, once people are safely able to gather, they're going to want to gather. Like yeah. it is not going to not happen. So, um, and, no, and- I, you're right though. I mean, but what I would say to you is, I mean, take your time with that tirade because it sounds like to me, somebody who is got a sp- a very singular focus perspective as an actor and podcaster and, you know, whatever else I, I can do for this community. It's different for me as opposed to somebody who like my livelihood is like, I keep the roof over my head because I have a day job and I've had a day job for years um, to have theater be the sole source of your income and then have that whole world shut down 
for lack of a better phrasing, is jarring to say the least. And to hear your perspective and to 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 listen to the words that you've chosen so so precisely um, to kind of talk about what it looks like and what it feels like now and what you think the future could be. It sounds to me pragmatic and it sounds like you're the right person to lead your, your troop, your group into this next, this next step. And then those are just words that people need to hear. It, it might sound dark to say it's going to be another eight months, but I would rather, I would rather be prepared for a long slog than to just assume that by April, everything's back to normal again, because it, because it won't, it might not be that. And if it's not, I don't want to be disappointed. And so, so thank you for that, for that perspective. I mean, that's important for, for, for me to hear. And, and I'm not, necessarily walking in the same path yeah thank you yeah i mean i hope i'm the right guy because i'm the guy they've got so um (laughs) and and i'm certainly surrounded by a whole bunch of people who are equally devoted to you know the organization and all of us being uh i am i am i am one of many throughout the country uh and 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 locally who are you know, committed to, to making sure that, that, uh, entertainment workers are taken care of as best as, as best as we can, right. Mm -hmm. Reminding, reminding politicians that it's not our fault (laughs) that we lost our, our income, uh, and reminding, reminding people not to forget about us and then working to, to find solutions to, how can we do this safely? You know, I think it's been real exciting what has happened in the motion picture world to find a way to work safely. Uh, you know, a lot of the, I'm, I'm proud to say that, that a lot of the steps that were taken by the international that I belong to mm-hmm. are working very successfully across the motion picture industry and they have become the standard for how to do, how to shoot films safely. And those are constantly being looked at by epidemiologists that we have hired to make sure that that's the case. And we're gonna do that for, for stage and trade show and all areas of, of entertainment. We're just gonna f- find a way to do it. Um, yeah. But we're gonna have to work together to do it. And and I think we're we're well suited to be able to do that. You know, we figure out how to make the impossible possible all the time. And this is just another case of, of being confronted with a, with a challenge and finding a solution to it. But uh, that isn't, it isn't easy. It isn't a snap of the fingers and it isn't something to be taken lightly either. Uh, it's not, it's not something that just because we're tired of dealing with it, is were is the right answer right yeah. i'm exhausted dealing with it but it but we still have to find the way to do it safely so Absolutely. um yeah well, you, you gotta stay focused do you have i want to i want to backtrack again and you're talking about the stories you could tell from this international experience 
Is there one crazy story that you can tell us that won't get you fired? <laughs> yeah. Well, let me think. There was that time. There's there's a handful of stories. Don't name names. I won't. There's a handful <laughs> of stories in Bangkok that I don't think I can talk about. What? Th- Thailand is a, is a hell of a place. Um, <laughs> I'll put you on the spot. Oh, I got a, I got a story that I think I can tell. So we were in awesome. Thailand. Yeah. And there are bars in Thailand. No, they're not. That, that get a little weird that have some things happen in them. They're pretty famous. I think we can all imagine the things that happen in these bars. I'm when... picturing a duck singing a song on a piano. <laughs> that is, uh, you might call it a duck, at least. No, it might sound like a duck. Um, no, I mean, just some stuff happens, right? Some, okay, yeah, some yeah, yeah, yeah. Women perform feats of, of, of miraculous. Yeah, yeah athleticism yes exactly right. and so we wanted to go check that out and so my you know me and a ha- handful of the stage hands and a bunch of the of the actors and a couple of the actors had some friends visiting and these these kids are all like fresh out of, out of college like you know just have no no worldly view god they're um, so green these noobs oh i mean just like like yeah just clearly have not not thought through what they're about to do yeah, yeah and so we're sitting in this bar and we're having a great time and uh all of this and we decide that it's all right it's time to leave well the way these places work is you leave and they they extort you to give them money on your way out like you ah. don't get to leave unless you hand them a handful of cat of cash which to like you know i'm i'm a i'm a roadie i'm a stagehand I've been to my fair share of a, adult establishments uh, where, where, you know, where I, like I've spent a lot of money in weird places. Yeah. Um, and, and so I knew that this was the case. And, and when you're talking about Thailand money, mm-hmm. it's like nothing, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like 50 bucks is like thousands of dollars to them. So, so we're, we're leaving and none of these kids have cash on them. And oh, the no. people are furious. So we got like, <laughs> we, we get, we get like, I somehow distract one of the bouncers for a few minutes and I get a couple of them. And then I get through the, the, the wall and my brother or one of the girl, the chorus girls is in front of me and she goes, you know, there's still th- four of them in there. There's still four of them in there. And I just, my brother's like, Max, you have to go help me. You have to go. So I just go back in there. I take just a wad of cash out of my, out of my pocket. And I just look at the lady and I said, the, 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 the lady bar owner, the, the manager of the establishment. Yes. And I just said, we're leaving. And I throw just a wad of cash up into the air and grab the three chorus girls that are stuck behind this lady. And just, we run out of the, out of the bar into the street and disappear into the wild, wild streets of, of Bangkok, Thailand. Um, but yeah, that was probably one, one story that I can tell that uh, does not get me in too much trouble. Oh, I think you're. I think you're pretty safe. You I sound like a hero in that story. Really, is you is why I like told her. Yeah. yeah, I want everyone to. I want all your listeners to realize what a what a good guy I am. 
I might have a migraine, but you've got an aura right now that is just brilliant. <laughs> is that what you call it? Yeah. 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 No, maybe it's just something funny that my Zoom is doing. That might be it. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's probably yeah. it. <laughs> that's no, that's good. That's good. That's a, that's a damn good story. I'm glad we went there. Yeah. No, there's some, there was some really incredible experiences on that tour. Um, my, my, probably the first one that was pretty outrageous. The, the, one of the days that I'll never forget was we were in tech and I really needed a haircut. And so my local, um, my local audio head, his name was Ahmed, um, was like, okay, I'll take you to, to my, uh, to my barber. Uh-huh. And so the A1 and I, that my, my boss and, and him, we met at the hotel the next day. He came and met us at our hotel on his day off. And he was like, so we go get haircut, then we go get food, and then we come back. And we were like, great, that sounds awesome. So we go to this barber, nice, nicest haircut I've ever gotten. That's when I had hair. It was a very good haircut, like a, like a steam shave. It was Ooh. the whole nine yards. We tried to pay. They wouldn't let us pay for this haircut. We, wow. we I mean, I, I kept trying to give him money. And, and finally, I just said to him, I just gave, we walked out and I gave Ahmed, you know, a whole bunch of money and said, well, you just get, make sure they get this. And he goes, yeah. Anyway, so, so then, you know, uh, Istanbul is, uh, is on two continents. You can be mm-hmm. on the European side or the Asian side. And so the next that next we went over to the Asian side uh, to this buffet, this Turkish buffet where they had these traditional Turkish foods. And Ahmed, you know, basically made us two huge spreads uh, of things to try. I mean, it was the best meal I've ever had in my life, probably. Uh, the, the dessert was like, I mean, I could cry thinking about the dessert. Uh, if you we go cry back. about dessert, then me and you are brothers for life. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. We go back across the the Turkish Channel. Uh, we we watched the sunset. You know, the sun was setting as we were in the in the boat back across. We get to the other side. We're by this beautiful mosque, and the sun is setting. We go on top of this building that Ahmed took us to. I mean, it was just one of those days that you kind of like. And and tech for that show was horrendously difficult for us i mean it was there was all sorts of problems that that i won't go into i mean it was just the hardest two and a half weeks of my life probably professionally uh and and kind of at the end of that i was like oh this is why i'm here right like i had just busted my ass for two weeks and we still had another week of tech but we had a day off and i got to go spend a day with this really cool guy who I had, you know, wouldn't, would never have met and, and, uh, and kind of showed me what Turkey was like. And it was, mm. it was just outrageous. So yeah, I've been, I've had it pretty good yeah. uh, in my professional career. I could talk about how, how lucky I've been and how grateful I am for, uh, for a couple of hours probably and, uh-huh. and just be scratching the surface. That's, that's, that sounds like an amazing experience that the, you described the, the sunset over this mosque. And that's just, that seems like something out of a movie. It's beautiful. It, it was, I mean, it was literally, yeah, I was, yeah, it was, it was, it was cinematic. 
Hmm. What is called a prayer? Yeah. Watching the sunset in Turkey is pretty cool. Wow. Huh. Max, what is that ghost light you wish was left on for you when you started your career? That message you want to give to the next gen? Yeah, I think I tell everybody whenever I have a chance to talk to talk to students, like kind of these like three basic rules that I think are real important and have been really uh, really helpful in my career. One is show up on time. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes early is on time. Yeah. Um, second was, uh, you know, don't be a jerk, but don't be taken advantage of. Mm. Like know what your boundaries and limits are, but know that just that that you can enforce those boundaries and limits in a in a way that is still uh, respectful and decent. Mm. And that you'll fail at that, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll you know you'll get <laughs> taken advantage of, and you'll uh, you'll you'll also be a jerk and and burn a bridge every once in a while. Um, But as long as you don't make a habit of doing either one of those things, you should be okay. Nice. And then always be learning. Just like I said earlier on, there is not a single day that I have stepped onto a job and known everything that I needed to know for, to complete that day's job. Just, it just never happens in this industry. Uh, So know know how to learn and know that you have to learn to stay competitive yeah that's i it's an exquisite point you touched on that um at the start of the pod and i'm i'm so thankful that you said it because it's i something that i i don't do enough and so learning is learning is important in 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 just your everyday life being open to something new and challenging is, is a good thing. And to make that something that you are passionate about and have that be something that you, you preach to people, well, maybe not preach, but bring up. And when going through this career and this life, it's, it's, it's really refreshing. I've failed at it a lot. I've shown up and thought that I knew it all. And that is way more dangerous or unhelpful than showing up and realizing that I don't know it all. That's when I'm going to be more successful because I go in with some sense of humility and some sense of willingness to, to, to have how these guys do what they're doing, show it to me. If it's Mm -hmm. a road show, you know, and I'm a local, how do you do, how do you, how do you run your front of house snake? Mm -hmm. Right. I know how I would run my front of house snake, but how do you run your front of house snake? Uh, what, you know, that's as basic as it gets is that they're going to, and maybe the way they do it is going to be better than the way you would do it. Absolutely. That's, it's, that's a great message. I, I, I definitely failed at that as well many times. And it's a, it's, it's good to be reminded of that perspective. Um, before we sign off, I have a very pressing question and I hope you're ready for it. Okay. Okay. Now, now, don't get mad at me, but what is your Mount Rushmore of pizzas? Like, are we talking like like locations, like pizza, pizza, got, providers, yeah, or, pizza providers? Pizza providers. Okay. 
so uh sexy pizza is pretty decent sexy pizza bojo's oh because of that because that honey on the crust girl oh hell yeah i love just a trash pizza so like um little caesars <gasps> girl Dude, stop I, i've been fucking with some little caesars recently yeah you have i have been I have been going. I mean, they you got get that, that extra most bestest. Oh, dude, they got that stuff crust though. That oh. stuff crust, extra pepperoni. Oh, oh, that is that is a greasy pile of bread, <laughs> cheese, and tubed meat, and I can't get enough of it. <laughs> oh, oh, you had me at tubed meat. <laughs> And what's what's uh, your what's your fourth one? Where's your Teddy Roosevelt at? <laughs> uh, think to wrap it all up. Um, probably some like Chicago. Like I don't I don't know. If there's a great place for this in in Denver. I haven't mm. found it, but like Chicago or Detroit style, like deep dish, like deep yeah. deep dish. I don't know. Like, I think Bojo's, you can kind of simulate that. Kind of. But not really. And and I would love, you know, at me on whatever. I'm, yeah. I'm not really an Instagram guy, but I don't know. Whatever yeah, the, the cool, however the cool kids communicate. I'm on the Facebook, but I know that that's lame. Do you tweet? I don't tweet. But do you have a tweeter? I think so. Okay. I'm, n- I'm literally never on Twitter. Okay. You could, you could, you could, anyway, if you know of it, find a way to get a hold of me. Just, just search my name. Ghosties at home, hit me up on, uh, on any way that you can. I'm on the Instagram. I'm on the Twitter. I'm on the Facebook. Yes. You holler at me there and I will reach out to Max. Yeah. You need to find a pizza. I'm going to offer you, um, right up the road from my apartment Wyman's number five oh. is a decent Chicago style pizza option Wyman's number five I'll give it a shot I'll Sounds give it a good. shot yeah cool. um for I, I I gotta jump in because I I've been I've been thinking about pizza since I asked since I started this whole sub conversation because uh, I haven't eaten anything since uh, my oatmeal at 2 2 p.m today that's and criminal. Uh, it, it well it's I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better. And I'm, I, it's the only way I know how to, to get to be better is to punish myself. Uh, so my four pizza spots, Bonnie Bray Tavern. Oh, that's off a good uni- one. Off of yeah. university. They've got, they've got are some they amazing. Are they still open? Yes, they are. Oh, good. Limited good. seating. Limited seating right now. Hey, but... that, I don't, I don't need to sit. To yeah. Eat. Yeah. They're, they're great. So yes, order, order from Bonnie Bray Tavern. Um, then there, then I'm gonna go. Um, shoot, Anthony's Pizza is really fun for me every once in a while, but it's rare that I use it because it's that thin New York style. I like folding up my slices of pizza. Yeah, with enough mozzarella cheese on top, I will fuck with some Anthony's. Little Caesars is dangerous for me because if it's close, it's gonna go down. Oh, and right now, yeah. it's not close, but I do love it. That's good. I I live over by Sloan's Sloan's Park, Sloan's Uh-oh. Lake Park, and there's one right across. I mean, it's not good. Yeah. It's just. And then you know what? This is what it gets me is, 
there's a blackjack pizza on the corner from my house and at 8 p.m they do this 50 percent off thing yeah and they're just they're just trying to hurt you they are yeah they're, they, they don't they're, they're they're like you know that 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 one that one guy you just can't quit i mean to do that at eight o'clock at night is just i mean it's, that is it's really evil. really messed up it's evil like there's no way you're gonna not eat that and then go directly to bed and at about four a.m. just wake up hating yourself. Yeah, with the cheese sweats. Nobody needs that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hopefully, it's just the sweats. You know, yeah. like that's at that's best case scenario. At the time we're recording this, it is now eight p.m. or at least eight seventeen. And you're gonna go fuck some no, some blackjack. I'm gonna, try, aren't you? I'm gonna I'm gonna try really hard not to. Okay. I'm really hard not to. Well, if you do, I support you and I love you all the same. Oh, Max, that means the world to me. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank well, you. No, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, some really awesome perspectives, and thank you for sitting down with us tonight, dude. It's- it was it was awesome. Thanks for asking me. Um, I've I've I I'm so glad that you're doing this. It's a really Something I actually thought about doing years ago, but I'm too lazy. So I'm glad that you're way more motivated and uh, and and doing the deal. Because, um, yeah, I think our, the Denver theater community is a very special place as someone who's been able to to travel all over the world. Mm. Um, I'm I'm constantly amazed at, at, at what a really cool group of people we get to create with in this community. And uh, everywhere I've gone, I've been honored to be able to say that I'm from Denver. So, absolutely. Well, thank you for that for that compliment. It means a lot. I would empower you to use your shiny big red mic and start your own Max podcast. Hey, that maybe maybe you're the motivation I need to hey. rap philosophical. Absolutely. I appreciate it. I'll, if you need a guest, holler at your boy. Will do. I, I did. I did take a semester of a. Uh, stage work at metro so i could talk to you about a class or two yeah yeah Yeah. we can we can delve into (laughs) what you learned in intro to stagecraft yeah by the way i did hit a cookie and i am i was gonna talk about your transcript here on the podcast but i I thought better of it as we started talking (laughs) yeah yeah thanks for (laughs) thanks for not bringing up my college career (laughs) That's, that's no problem yeah yeah all right and everybody uh this has been episode 63 of the ghost lights podcast our guest was max peterson thank you so much for joining us tonight um keep learning out there we'll get through this dan do the damn thing I won't. There's a handful of stories in Bangkok that I don't think I can talk about. What? Th- Thailand is a is a hell of a place. Um, <laughs> it's there's some. Sounds like Rick James there for a second. I don't know if I can tell that story.
<laughs> I really want to tell it, but I don't know. I don't think I can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.